Field and Company NFL insider, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, joins us now. All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour. A lot of things to manage. Come on, a lot of things to manage. So we went to break, and apparently my uh, my point spread candy breakdown uh, made no sense to you either. So that was on me, not Sammy. And we did get a uh, another. We mentioned the topic, and he yelled out, "I don't care." And then he was. Then he said he was going to save the segment, which we don't do segments. That that's there's no segments in radio. I was told that a long time ago by a, a radio expert. You know what I did? I want to give Sam credit for it, even though he's gone. Just listening to him talk, I started to fill out a ticket. Four? A parlay. Four? Uh, probably going to do some little NBA. Why? The Miles Grizzlies are due. The Grizzlies haven't won all season. Uh-huh. They got it's the Jazz. Dude. Miles Simmons is with us. Miles, you're pretty responsible, uh, pretty responsible financially, right? Uh, yes, I would like to think so. Damon was without his car for what was it, Damon? Two weeks. Two weeks. Uh, it got towed because well, things happen when you don't pay. It got repoed. Okay. Yeah. I'm, 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 well, I was I trying to dance around it, but oh, the entire geez. time he was going out on dates, restaurants, going to sporting events, gambling. What? Yeah, I know. But we Wait, we. So what do you tell? Well, now, 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 I'm really curious. Oh, yeah. uh, what Here do you tell the date when you don't have a car? Like, do you just Uber? Do you totally avoid the subject? How no, does these, that go? These weren't romantic days. I mean, just going out with people. I mean, going out with friends. You know, like that, like that. Not, not romantic. Oh days. yeah, he has a car. It's called his parents. That's the backup. Oh. Now Miles is looking at me in entirely different light. I'll save myself. Here. I mean, I, I am. I yeah, I, I really am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you allow your car to get repoed, and you know you're still doing things with money instead of getting your car back for two effing weeks. And you have a job, dude. Like, you know, that's, well, you know. <laughs> he sounds like a disappointed dad. I mean, Uncle I, Miles. I'm very disappointed. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I, I am disappointed. I yeah. This is this is disappointing. I I'm not gonna lie. Miles, you yeah. know what he didn't tell you? That um, I came up this weekend. That's what happened. He did. He had a lot of gambling winnings this weekend. Lots. While oh, his so car that's was. That's why you got your car. No, I got the car back before that. A friend owed me oh, money, Miles. Yeah, a that, friend owed yeah. me money. And that friend paid me back. That, that's a good part of the story that he lost his car because he didn't try to kill his friend over the money that was owed. So he made a sacrifice for his friend. I see. I'm a humanitarian. Well, yeah. Friend of the year. Okay. So I'm going to put on the Uncle Miles hat. Miles Simmons is with us from Pro Football Talk. And I don't want to sound too luxury, but for the Raiders, you know, I'm not so disappointed in you that you lost last night's game. The performance was dreadful. But, son, I don't understand where your life is going. I don't understand the direction of the organization, and I don't understand why there weren't any moves made before the trade deadline. Pick a direction, Raiders! Yeah, I, you know, Steve, I totally agree with you on that, man. It's like, well, where is this going? And, you know, when you are a season and a half into a tenure of a coaching staff, and, you know, we can really say it's the entire front office, right, because Ziegler and, and McDaniels came in together, you, you need to be able to answer the question, what do you do well? And the answer to that question is, well, Max Crosby does a hell of a job playing defense. 
And that's not enough of an answer because they didn't do anything to bring in Max Crosby. The only thing they've done is they've said, well, we should pay that guy. And yeah, that was extraordinarily obvious when McDaniels and Ziegler came in to their respective positions. So it's not like they really developed anybody into something more. Right? I mean, what, what's gone on? I mean, Hunter Renfro has disappeared. Devontae Adams is catching one pass for 11 yards because Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing it to Toledo when freaking Devontae Adams is in Detroit. I mean, I, I don't understand what it is that this team does well. And when you have something like that and you are a season and a half in, I think you're right, Steve. It's time to decide, well, what are we doing? Are we going to build? Are we going to buy here or are we going to start selling off some of these assets and then try to start building into next year? And standing pat, I mean, I kind of get it because you do have three wins, but at the same time, these last two losses to NFC North teams have been so abysmal that it's like, I I don't really know what else you're going to do unless suddenly something starts to click. And so that's what the Raiders are hoping for now, that suddenly something will start to click over these next couple weeks and you can carry that to the rest of the season. I I love what and it's you know it's it's not a minor move for the Bears but I love what the Commanders did they move on Montez Sweat then they move on Chase Young there's a direction now the direction may mean Ron Rivera and everyone else you're gone but there's you can see a direction Absolutely and you know it, it's interesting when you have you know new ownership there that's the presumption that these everybody basically is coaching for their jobs, they're playing for their jobs. You know, you're front officing, that's not really a good term, but like you're doing that <laughs> for your job, right? Like everybody is on notice when new ownership comes in. And look, Ron Rivera has been through this before when he was with the Carolina Panthers and, and David Tepper comes in. So it's the same sort of thing that's going on right now. And I think. You know, the only thing that the commanders can say right now is that they've played the Eagles tight for two games. And frankly, you should be able to say that because that's a division rival. You've seen them twice a year. They've had much of the same personnel for the entire time that Ron Rivera has been there, and especially the same coaching staff. So you should be able to play that team tight. Congrats. Like, that's nothing. So what else are they doing? Okay, Sam Howell looked good in yesterday's, or excuse me, in Sunday's game. All right, but he still had critical turnovers and critical incompletions at the most critical times. So you can at least say, all right, well, they're building for the future. Will that future include a lot of the people that are there right now? Eh, maybe not. But at least, like you said, you understand what it is that they're doing and what their strategy is. And I'll give you one more sneaky move. Uh, you know, make it... Coming up with a direction. So Leonard Williams gets moved from the Giants to the Seahawks. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, second round pick for Leonard Williams. Yeah, the Giants basically bought out, well, covered the rest of Leonard Williams' salary. Seattle gets him for next to nothing. And that's how they got this to bump from a third to a second. Which, by the way, brings me to why couldn't the Raiders do this? Give... Well, after last night, I'm not sure you could get anything done this way. But uh, before last night, give Jimmy Garoppolo for pennies on the dollar to another organization, get a draft pick back, maybe a little better than you would if the other team had to take all his money, and go in a direction. Like, are you saying that the you, you if you were the Raiders, you would have reached out to the Minnesota Vikings? Why not? I mean, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you who I would have reached out to, but I'm also I'm vested in this as well. I would have reached out to the Jets. 
because okay. I've had enough of Zach Wilson. I, I don't. I don't. I, I keep hearing people talk about incremental progress. It stinks. Okay, but there's enough teams out there that are desperate enough. Maybe they would bump up and you know a, a slot on a draft pick if you're covering most of the money. Well, right, exactly. I mean, the teams have done this in the past too, right? The the Browns got a second round pick, you know, for um, when they got uh, Brock Osweiler too, right? And they you know right. bought out that money and all that stuff. So that that's not something that's unheard of. And I think it is interesting when you're looking at a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who has experience and you know he's a ceiling player, right? A, a kind of a mid-tier to low ceiling player. And I think we all understand that by now. Jimmy Garoppolo just is who he is. I mean, he's a little bit worse than Kirk Cousins, you know? And I understand that Kirk Cousins was playing very well this season, but, like, let's not act like we haven't had plenty of evidence for who Kirk Cousins is as a quarterback. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's just when you have somebody like that and you kind of know who they are, you really have to do a lot of maneuvering in order for that to really work. And whether it would be the Jets where, you know, I don't know that he would really know that system. He would be more familiar with the Vikings and a Kevin O'Connell because Kevin O'Connell comes from that same Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan style. So that would make more sense to him, I guess. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's just – you're not in a good situation with your quarterbacks right now if you're the Raiders. I mean, unless you really want to play Aiden O'Connell for the rest of the year, which, like, I can understand why you would or would not want to do that. I don't believe the Raiders are going to get a top seven or eight pick. I think they'll be just outside that. So all this hope that they can be bad enough to get Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever you want to put third, I don't believe in that. I think I'm going to get wide to death again, but I'm going to do it. Yesterday, I made the pitch to the Vegas audience and to DeMond and to JVT. Here's the direction. Pick a direction. Go get Kyler Murray now. You know what his price is. He's probably not going to cost you much in a trade. He makes 36 mil a year. He's 25. I believe he's a franchise quarterback. I believe coached properly. He is a top 10 quarterback. I would have done that. That's a direction. Well, see, Steve, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I'm not going to why you to death with that. I mean, that, that actually makes sense because you ex explained your, your – you showed your work there, and I, I think <laughs> – I learned. Don't just throw yeah. something out willy-nilly and then well, get thrown into the corner and have to fight your way out when you're getting no, body I shots. Mean, but even just yeah, but even just <laughs> the name of, of Kyler Murray to the – I mean, it would at least be exciting – Right, I mean that's that's one why. Two, he is young, you know, so and there's still room for him to grow and develop. He's already under contract, so it's not like you know you're going to be worried about that. I think that there are compelling reasons to trade for Kyler Murray if you're a, a team that was in need of a quarterback, or you know there there were before a couple hours ago, I guess, or maybe in the off season. <laughs> yes, um, yes. But I. I frankly don't have as much faith in Kyler Murray as you do, but I under, I would understand why a team would want to make that move. That that doesn't seem completely far fetched to me, in terms of like a team that needs something to get a shot in the arm and get itself going. I don't know that, like I said, I don't know if Kyler Murray is going to be the solution for anybody, but that at least makes sense as an idea to try. Did the 49ers need Chase Young? No, but that's the kind of thing that they do. They yep. they like to double down on their strengths, and I appreciate them for that. It's the same reason that they went out and got Javon Hargrave um, during free agency, who you know was thought to be one of the premier players in the free agency class. It has not necessarily worked out in the way that you might have thought, where 
you know, you get a guy who can come in and be really dominant. He, he's not been that dominant this year. He's been good, but he's not been really dominant. I mean, and especially these last three games, the, the 49ers just have not really looked themselves. I think part of the issue also is offensively you haven't had Trent Williams or Debo Samuel. And, you know, that's an excuse in some ways because they still do have George Kittle. They've got Christian McCaffrey. Brock Purdy has not been playing as well. Um, but this is the kind of thing that they do. You know, when they have a strength, they say, well, let's make it even better. And Nick Bosa has not necessarily been himself either, probably in part because he wasn't there for training camp. Um, but, you know, now you pair him with his old running mate in, in Chase Young. Those guys go back to 2017, 2018 with the Ohio State Buckeyes, and you see what those two guys can do together. I don't I don't think that it's a bad trade for them by any means. That That's the kind of stuff that they like to do to get better at a place where they already were good. Is there a team around January that we may look back and say, ah, they should have made a move? Oh, probably. Yeah, plenty of them. Um, I mean, off the top of my head. Uh, Cowboys, Derrick Henry? Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. I, I think that, you know, you you might. I would go the other way in terms of teams that are like, oh, well, why didn't they sell a okay. little bit more? You know, like if you are Washington, I feel like there are some other assets that you could have said, eh, why didn't you do that? I mean, and the Titans are in sort of that position, too, with a Derrick Henry. You kind of be like, well, why didn't you move on? Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you can look back on that every year, and it's kind of like, well, you know, there there were opportunities missed. But at the same time, I also understand dancing with the team that got you there because you, you do have confidence in, you know, what it is that you're trying to do. I mean, Miami's another team where, yeah, they've gotten back Jalen Ramsey, but, you know, they've got injuries at running back. Could they have gotten a little bit better in some spots and made that offense even more of a supernova, perhaps, right? Could they have made that defense a little bit stronger against the pass in terms of their pass rush, perhaps? Miles, I've got to go back to the Titans real quick. I don't know if you saw Will Levis. They're ready for a playoff push. That's all I'm saying, okay? Here we go. Titans fan. If anything, they should resend the Kevin Byer trade because this team, <laughs> yeah, let's go. I'm all in, baby. Well, I mean, you know, I, I understand that. After one game, it's really exciting. I think some of those passes that Will Levis made were just kind of uh, – and the, the the Jags were no the the Steelers were talking about hope defense. I mean that was kind of hope quarterbacking. But when <laughs> you got DeAndre Hopkins, it's it's all right to do something like that. You know, like that's what Kyler Murray used to do. F it, DeAndre's down there somewhere. Like well, Levis kind of did that and it worked. Um, but I, I think it was a great debut, right? We can't say anytime a quarterback has four touchdown passes that it's not a, a great debut. And the whole thing that Vrabel was talking about with oh yeah, you'll see both. Will Levis and Malik Willis out there, and Malik Willis plays two freaking snaps. Like, yeah, because if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. You can't do stuff like that. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was a clip of um, the little uh, lock, locker room interview that Will Levis gave on Friday, and somebody kind of suggested to him, like, oh, you know, you'll maybe be going in and out with Malik Willis, and he just made this face. I was like, what the absolute hell are you talking about? <laughs> and that's when it signaled to me, yeah, Mike Vrabel's not actually an idiot. Mike Vrabel knows how to coach, and somebody should have prepped this guy a little bit better for the kind of questions that he was going to get, because that's a face that told me, I am not coming out for freaking Malik Willis. At Miles A. Simmons up on Twitter, Pro Football Talk Peacock as well. Give me some time here. Your favorite female NFL fan, Taylor Swift, crazy Asian charger lady. Not her. Or 
skinny lady who can apparently lift 220-pound running backs into the stands, a Lions fan just just pressing uh, Jameer Gibbs up in the stands. That was amazing. I, I thought she was incredible, and I thought that that was one of the underrated moments of Monday Night Football. <laughs> he just, well, I mean, it was, I a, mean, it was a great game. It was a great – I mean, it, th- that moment is going up so, uh, against so many great moments for the Raiders and the Lions. Well, I mean, yeah, but let's be honest. I mean, it's not like that dude is, you know, Tavon Austin, like trying to get up into the stands. Sure. Like that dude's that he, that's a running back, you know, he can squat him a little bit, you know, yeah. so it's not like we're doing nothing here. That was great. I was happy for them. Look, those Detroit Lions fans, man, they've got a lot of pent up frustration and this team is really good. So, yeah, they they understand that when they need to celebrate, they've got to celebrate. Would you rather close out? your weekly spot talking about dating or Halloween (laughs) candy. Uh, It's not my dating life. I hope because there's not much to talk about. So probably candy. (laughs) Give me the top Halloween candy, but no peanut butter can be involved. Oh, Smarties. Man, I love some Smarties. Really? I I love them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh. They're so good. And, And when else do you really get them? You know, you just unwrap that pack. It just feels like 90s nostalgia to me. I just, I love those things. And I've never been really that big on Halloween. But, like, I love that. And I love little Sour Patch Kids. Love them. Skittles, give it to me. I'm, I've got a bit of a sweet tooth. But, yeah, I love Sour Candy. Um, if you get the little packs of the Gummy Bears, too, the Haribos. Oh, baby. Little trolley uh, sour gummy worms, too. Those are those are also fantastic. So, yeah, that's what I would go with. On the dating thing, a woman had put out 25 or 26 things that uh, she said men cannot uh, bring her or do with her on a first date. And it wasn't sex. It was, you know, activities in different restaurants. And it arbitrarily just crossed it out, crossed out, a bunch of fast food places. Uh, you can't take her to the movies. You can't go bowling. Stephen A. responded like, what can you do? Yeah. Lady, like uh, the other one was, and the one that like befuddled me was going on a date to a bar. Like that's all I've ever done. That's, yes. that's where you get things done. You, you, you know, you, you, you get the opposite subject a little bit schnockered and you see if the conversation goes well. That's a recipe for success. I would completely concur. And, you know, on Hinge and some other dating apps now, it's like, well, especially Hinge, it says, instead of grabbing drinks, let's. And that, to me, is an automatic rejection because, no, we're going to grab drinks. Well, I I don't know you. I don't know what it is that you like to do. You don't know me. You don't know what it is that I like to do. So let's at least just start by having a conversation and see if we vibe a little bit. And then maybe for a second or third date, we can go on some little activity. But why in the world would if I don't know what you like to do, why would I suggest? just something that I know I like if you might hate it then that's a guaranteed that's a guaranteed no so this doesn't make any sense to me I don't understand why people have decided that getting drinks is not a viable option well this is one woman but a lot of women jumped on this and agreed Steve wow that was my next line yeah and these (laughs) those women are not for me okay you're very picky Uh, you sounded a bit toxic there so dial it down Oh, Steve, <laughs> I've been single and childless my entire adult life, so there it's must working. be a reason why. I must be the problem. <laughs> well, the childless part is working well. Good for you. That's that yeah. is. Uh, although you might, I have fun on Halloween. I like I like giving the candy out to the kids. I'll throw on a scary mm. wig and we turn out the lights. And here you go. Here's a bunch of candy. I will say this: that with my frugality, uh, my girlfriend buys tremendous candy, and yeah. she lets the kids go in. And grab the candy. I'm like, no. Oh, no. Candy. No, no. Uncle Steve, let's go back. Uncle Miles and Uncle Steve rule the roost. Uh, Uncle Steve gives you three, 
And if uh, you seem kind of cool, you get four. If you're a 19 yep. year old with a book bag, you might get two. Go buy you your might own get candy. None. You might get. What age are you cutting them off? Uh, like if you're like late high school, like yeah. come on, man. Get, what if get, get a life? But go, but to, go you, to somebody's house party at that point. Oh, That's wow. what you need to be doing. Don't go trick or treating. Do you take into at least account? Bring a young kid. Do you take into account like gargantuan kids who mature really early, like Adam Hill was, where the yeah, poor, I mean, the, poor that, the poor guy's like twelve. Um, I think I think his younger brother at the time when he was like twelve was like six five, and and actually people did say that to him, like, "What are you doing here? You're an adult." I'm like I'm twelve, <laughs> just a growth spurt. Take it easy. You gotta, if you got a baby face, you know, sometimes you can tell even if they're tall. There you go. Uh, what's coming up this week on the uh, TV side of things? Uh, I will be on PFT Live tomorrow morning, so that's way early Pacific time, but you can catch the replays all day on uh, the Peacock app, which is, of course, the exclusive streaming home of The Office and Sunday Night Football. God, you guys are doing a great job. You really are. Miles, thank you so much. Of course, guys. Have a happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. There he is. Yeah, we, we echoed there. Happy Halloween. There you go. I feel like we're going to close out the show, but we still have more time. Uh, we got to get back to the uh, Harden trade. We're going to bring in a uh, basketball expert from the Sporting Tribune, and we will have another UNLV football conversation as we're doing most days with all the success of the football program and running Rebel season is on the way. So later in the show, we'll talk to uh, Cam Oliver. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on Cofield and Company. Boy, the NFL trade deadline, we knew about that. We didn't know exactly when James Harden was going to move, but he did very late last night. Uh, Demond is here at Cofield. We're very much into the NBA. We're very much into the James Harden story because he's such a fascinating character. Graham Mona works for the Sporting Tribune. He's all over the L.A. basketball scene and is nice enough to give us a couple minutes here in Vegas. Cofield and Company, how are you, sir? Doing well, guys. How is everybody over there in Vegas? Over here in L.A., basketball is booming once again. Yes, it's uh, it's big business. There's high competition to get people to come out to the uh, games, and it's also why I understand um, why Ballmer and the Clippers keep collecting stars, and we'll get to the whole issue here of can these guys all coexist and win, but uh, what was your first reaction last night? First of all, did you kind of see it in real time? Because I don't know what time it was. I Old man here fell asleep, took a little nappy, and then woke <laughs> up at like midnight, and then I felt like shortly after is when uh, the Woj bomb hit. So what was your initial reaction to finding out the Clippers got hardened? And uh, you can tell people what they parted with. Yeah, you know what? I, I was just about to head to sleep, and I saw the Woj bomb come across my screen, <laughs> and I thought it was a fake because there's a lot of fake X's or tweets, whatever you want to call them nowadays. Uh, but it was real. It was real. And, you know, initially, guys, you didn't even see who the trade was for. You just saw, hey, James Harden is going to the Clippers. You didn't even see who's going back to the Sixers. And for about a half hour to an hour, it was kind of in the dark there. But they eventually ended up sending uh, Nicholas Batum, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, uh, K.J. Martin, and a plethora of picks, which is something that I did not really expect. Um, I don't think a lot of people expected them to move all of their wings. Um, so my, my initial reaction, guys, was, oh, my goodness, what did the Clippers just do? And then after that, you know, it kind of settled in. Hey, the Clippers got James Harden and P.J. Tucker without giving up Terrence Mann. They didn't give up Bones Highland, and they didn't give up Norm Powell. And all three of those guys were in talks throughout the summer, throughout the fall, 
in this preliminary discussions in the beginning of the season. All three of those guys were at some point in the discussions, and it turns out that the Sixers didn't take any of them. They actually took some expiring salaries. They took some draft capital. And in my opinion, I, I think the Sixers are going are gonna to look to move some of that draft capital to then further their team. Because, look, Joel Embiid is in the prime of his career. Tyrese Maxey is turning into an all-NBA player before our eyes. And they want to maximize this window. So you get a lot of draft capital. You can then flip it for a guy like Jeremy Grant, a guy like OG Ananobi. Uh, there's many you know players out there. But for the Clippers, you add a 10-time All-Star, and I know that he hasn't been an all-star in a few years, but you add a 10-time all-star to a starting lineup that now is going to feature 32 all-star appearances in combination. Um, I, I think this was just insurance, guys. Um, it was insurance for if Paul George and Kawhi get hurt because, hey, we know that those two guys get hurt a lot, and that's been their main issue over these past four years with them. So getting Harden, getting Tucker, a guy that's a very good defender, um, and, and Harden, a guy that can facilitate. He led the league in assists last year. I know there are a lot of questions about his playoff performance, but guys, this moves the needle for the Clippers once again, and it feels like 2019 because the Lakers are stacked, the Clippers are stacked, and it happened in the middle of the night again. You mentioned the starting lineup and the combined all-star appearances. Does that mean that Robert Covington is the de facto guy who's now going to have to leave that starting five? Yeah, yeah. You know, now that you know, now that Robert Covington is going to, to Philadelphia, uh, oh, there, there's a lot of questions for the Clippers in terms of you know, who do you start? And, you know, there's a lot of questions of if Russell Westbrook is still going to be in that starting lineup. I think Russell Westbrook is probably the main guy that you could see moving to the bench. I know that the Clippers have Bones Highland now, um, but you now have Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Avisa Zubots in that starting five. And Zubots is the only one that doesn't have any all-star appearances. All the other guys have multiple, multiple um so it's going to be such a weird dynamic, guys, that I, I, I'm going to have to see it in person before I kind of make any basketball judgment. But if you look at it on paper, is it enough to beat Denver? Is it enough to beat Phoenix? Is it enough to beat your counterpart, the Lakers, across the hall? You know, that remains to be seen. But on paper, it, it looks like they're up there in that elite contender status with that group of five, six teams that we, we saw at the beginning of the season. Oh, no, I wanted to keep it right there when you mentioned, is it better, you know, how do they match up against the better teams in the West? Are they now officially the best team in L.A.? Uh, you know, that's, that's a tough one. I would say on paper, yes. And judging by what I'm seeing from the Lakers um, this early in the season, and yes, it's early. Uh, Austin Reeves hasn't looked as good as a lot of people have thought, and that, that's probably due to his FIBA uh, fatigue from the World Cup. Uh, D'Angelo Russell has been on and off. He had a great game last night. Uh, Anthony Davis, after that first game, has looked pretty good, actually. 29-12, and 12, I believe, last night, or I think he even had more than 12 rebounds. LeBron has looked just like his 34-year-old self, not his 39, 38-year-old self. Uh, the Lakers, they're going to get it together. Uh, I just think that the Clippers on paper, they're starting five. You can match that up to Boston in the East, Milwaukee in the East, uh, Phoenix with Durant, Beal, and Booker. It goes up against any of those starting fives and that's exactly why they made this trade you know before this trade they weren't in that status they yes they had Kawhi Paul George and Russell Westbrook but they didn't have that other guy to put them up against some of the elite teams and right now you know I'd say on paper the Clippers are are a better roster you know one to ten than I'd say the Lakers are right now 
Kawhi Leonard so far through this early season is leading them with three-pointers made a game. Do the Clippers have enough shooting on their team? Because maybe it's just me thinking of Kawhi as the ultimate 3 and D guy and not as the three-point shooter that he's grown into be. Yeah, I think they are a great shooting team. I think they're going to be a great shooting team. I think that the thing for them is the size. Uh, I think the shooting is going to come naturally. Uh, you know, James Harden's been a good three-point shooter across his career. Russell Westbrook hasn't, but he's shown an improvement this year. Uh, Paul George is shooting lights out of the ball from the three-point line this year. Kawhi, like you said, he's shooting excellent as well. Last year, uh, the last over the last three months of the season, he shot 50% from three, which is remarkable. So I think the shooting isn't really one of the main concerns for the Clippers, even on the bench with Bones Highland and Norm Powell. Those are some guys that can shoot the lights out of the ball. I think for them, it's the defensive rebounding. It's the size. Can you match up with Nikola Jokic? Can you match up with Anthony Davis? I don't know yet, but they do have the offense to do it. I think just getting James Harden to buy into that defensive end is, is what they're going to try to do. I'm talking to Grant Mona from the Sporting Tribune. He's all over the Clippers beat. Um, to go back to the lineup, because you mentioned you know the possible five-person starting lineup, I figure the way they built this thing that there's actually going to be plenty of time that Westbrook is out there without Harden and vice versa. I mean, right. I don't know that it's going to be easy for them to both be on the floor uh, as ball dominant as they are, but that's not a bad thing if, hey, you basically have all 48 minutes covered with a ball dominant guy who can do a lot, um, you know, aside from just be a true point guard. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I think Russ eventually, I think as we progress towards this 82 game season, down the stretch will probably be a guy that comes off the bench or leads with that bench unit, kind of staggers. Um, because, you know, you, I think you also hit it is that they have options now. You have the option if one guy's hurt. Say Kawhi Leonard gets hurt, fine. Mm -hmm. Paul George, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook is a pretty good big three, even without Kawhi Leonard. Say Paul George gets hurt. James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, and Russell Westbrook is a great three, even without Paul George. So, look, there's so many options that they can go with right now, and I think that's also why they did it is that you can have ball-dominant guys like Russ lead the team, and then you could stagger him and say, hey, Go lead this bench unit, and we'll just have James Harden lead the starting five. And then insert Terrence Mann into that second spot or that fourth spot. So, you know, I think you're, you're, you're exactly right, is that the options now are just vastly better than what they had before this trade. Um, and in terms of, of ball dominance, I mean, all these guys love to have the ball in their hands. But having a facilitator that, like I said, he averaged 10.7 assists per game last year in James Harden. That's going to pay dividends, I think, uh, as we go down the, in the regular season, at least. You know, we'll, we'll see how the playoffs go, but uh, in the regular season, it's going to just take the ease off. It's going to ease the game for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. What's the due date on the new arena? When does when does it open? It is fall of 2024, so they have about 40 games left at uh, at uh, Crypto.com Arena. Do you think that they'll have a really good home court advantage? Uh, at the new arena. Or, I, I just wonder, are Clippers fans much more fired up that they're going to have their own arena? I, I don't know. Does, does it matter that they share an arena? Yeah, it, it really does. Because, okay. you know, when you share an arena with, with, with the Lakers, and, you know, they're, they're basically fourth fiddle. I mean, the, the Kings hockey team gets priority over mm -hmm. the Clippers. So usually you see the Clippers get 1230 Sunday matinee games. And I know the players hate it. They've come out and said it already. <laughs> so moving to the into a dome, you're going to get guys that that are going to buy in there you know fans are going to love it. i think it's awesome it looks awesome already and and i think for for clipper fans it's going to be a mecca of basketball it's going to be a, like a mini sofi stadium and 
that's that's essential for where this franchise wants to go. Steve Ballmer wants this to be a, a luxury franchise, a franchise that wins a lot and that is always winning. So to have a, a, a your own stadium strictly for basketball and concerts, I think that's going to be great for L.A. You mentioned inside where Zubak is mainly the primary guy when it comes to center, but they've also got Mason Plumlee coming off the bench. Is he going to be just a guy who just comes in and give a couple of good minutes, or could he maybe get that, you know, that cult fan favorite role, you know, just with the tenacity that he plays with? Yeah, I think he's already won over some fans already just by by his ball handling. He can bring the ball up the floor, which is something you don't see from a backup big. Um, I'd say he's one of the best backup centers in all of all of the league. Um, and Mason Plumlee, yes, he will get good minutes. I mean, th- the reason why the Clippers weren't successful last year was because they didn't have a backup big for most of the year. And when they got Plumlee, you saw a big difference uh, in how they played. And this year, he's been great as well. Um, he can catch lobs. He's a great rebounder. Um, he provides some rim protection. Obviously, it's not as elite as Avisa Zubots, but you know, Plumlee's one of those guys that just does all the dirty work. He's going to hustle. He's going to dive all over the floor. And I think that already has won over some Clipper fans uh, from the trade last year. And not, not to mention, he took a pay cut just like Russell Westbrook to come back to the Clippers. On the opponent side so far for the Clippers, uh, what do you think of Scoot and what do you think of Wemby? Yeah, Scoot, uh, Scoot's, he's been struggling a little bit, but I, I do believe in the potential in Scoot. Um, you know, that first game against the Clippers, the Clippers kind of just manhandled Portland in general. So we didn't really get to see a great sample size of Scoot. Uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys that takes a little bit to develop, to, to get his legs under him, to you know see the game as it is in the NBA. As far as Wemby, the Clippers dominated the Spurs too, so they kind of took Wemby out of the game, but... There are some things that I see that Wemby does that I just haven't seen in my years of watching basketball. The length that he has, uh, he just flicks his wrist at some balls and they just deflect halfway across the court. Um, he runs the floor gracefully like a gazelle. Uh, he's going to be excellent in this league. I, I like, like Scoot Henderson. I think it's going to take him some time. Obviously, you know, he's, he's young, he's thin, but his mentality, I think, guys, is, is the big thing. He wants to win every game now he wants to be competitive now and for a young player especially with his status a number one overall pick with all the hype that's going against him to have that mentality is huge guys and 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 his physical stuff will will fill out but i think the mental thing is what's going to get into that next level do they win easy against orlando no i i don't think it'll be easy The, the the magic almost took one from the lakers last night and you know the lakers escaped with one the Clippers, look, you say what you want. They aren't going to have Harden. They aren't going to have Tucker tonight. Uh, so they're going to be kind of thin depth-wise. Uh, so I don't, I don't expect it to be an easy one. Um, you know, but I, the, you know, the two core players are playing. Russell Westbrook's playing. So it will be a game, guys. Uh, and I expect the Clippers to, to still pull it out. But uh, it's not going to be as easy as, as what we think. Grant, I've got to ask you this because I just came across this. Wimby came dressed as Slenderman for Halloween. <laughs> Great costume, or do you think just lazy? <laughs> I think that's perfect. You know, no, that's an awesome costume. I, at least he's embracing his role, guys. I mean, that, I think it fits him absolutely perfect. What? I, that's the thing. Wemby knows fashion too, guys. I mean, he's from France. People, people know fashion. From France. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see DeAndre Jordan was uh, traipsing around as uh, Taylor Swift, the Chiefs fan? Uh, wig, wig, <laughs> and a chief, wig and a Chiefs jacket. Oh my goodness! Now that one I can't get behind. That one I'll leave up to you guys. But Wemby's, Wemby's, I'll go with the uh, uh, yes. That's an A plus. Uh, Grant, where can people find your stuff and uh, tell them about the Sporting Tribune? 
Yeah, we have, you know, the Sporting Tribune, we're, we're doing our thing over here in SoCal, Hawaii, Las Vegas. We have articles about all the local teams. We have national stories. Um, you can find us on YouTube, on Instagram, Twitter, X, I guess you could say. Uh, you can find us everywhere uh, at the Sporting Trib. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be doing our articles, video content for the Clippers. Um, I have my own pages at GMona48, where I post about the Dodgers, the Lakers, the Clippers, anything basketball, football, baseball. I'll be doing that. So, uh, yeah, glad to be here, guys. Thank you so much. Good job, Grant. We'll see you. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a good one. There he is, Grant Mona with the Sporting Tribune. Uh, giveaway time. We got four more tickets, a four-pack of tickets to the uh, Naismith Hall of Fame series that's coming up on Monday. It's uh, two sessions, four games total, 11 a.m. session on Monday, 4.30 session. The 4.30 session includes USC men's basketball against Kansas State. LSU women's is playing in that part of the doubleheader, and then you've also got uh, some good games early in the day. You can grab your tickets at axs.com. More information, HOF Series up on uh, Twitter or hofseries.com. Caller 7. We'll go with Caller 7. We're consistent. 364-1100, and Damon will hook you up. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, last few minutes of the show on a Tuesday. Remember tomorrow, Barry Odom radio show. Right here on ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM. That's over at Parkway Tavern. Happy hours going on right now, 3 to 6. That's the lead-in. And then once the show begins at 2.15 and Flamingo, two bucks on the Miller Lights. And reminder... If you're a bigger running Rebel fan, you can go to both shows, actually. Um, Kevin Kruger show, I think there's going to be six of them this year, and then they go weekly. They have a very aggressive non-con travel schedule. Then they go weekly on Wednesdays in 2024, but the first one is November 7th. That's next week. Uh, football show is at 215 in Flamingo. Parkway Tavern basketball show is over in Henderson in the district. So, again, that's November 7th. So, football, we've got a lot more coverage, especially with the uh, – Rebels doing a good job in football and winning at 6-2. and two. they got a big game at New Mexico. Kind of a must-win from the standpoint of staying in the conference race, and you can't lose as a, whatever they are right now, a 10-point favorite. Uh, we have conversations up on the web all the time, and we play a lot of them here on Cofield & Company, but there's many more at UNLV All Access on Twitter. That's the handle, at UNLV All Access. And I talked to Cam Oliver. Here's part one of the conversation. It was coming out of the – Press conference yesterday, a couple days after the uh, tough loss at Fresno State, and just started off the convo with, hey, right now, what do you feel like the outlook of the team is? All of our same goals that we wanted from the season that we started off are still there. So, you know, I feel like it's nothing's really changed. You know, our minds are still on our work, and we're just now we're just more hungry to, to go win out and get every win that we can possible and put our best foot forward. Yeah, I just wonder in the past, if you came out of games like that, like it was essentially, you know, about the same gap a year ago. Mm-hmm. And if the team's mentality was like, ah, you know, pretty close, that was good. And if it's changed to, well, that can't happen. We should have won that game. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed. So, you know, losing is never, never really tolerated. You know, I feel like the team hates losing more than they love winning. So, you know, whenever we get that nasty taste in our mouth, you know, last year, like, well, some guys will just take, take the uh, – take the L and just keep moving and keep pushing. But now we got to 
we realize that losing is is not something we want to have a taste in our mouth after on Saturday. What happens in the locker room after a game like that where you guys had mistakes, but obviously one of the glaring mistakes at the end was Seneca as a defensive player. Do you even get involved with him? Is that just left to the offense and the coaches? Like, do you talk to him? I mean, yeah, you know, Sydney's my guy. You know, we, we're, we're pretty tight on, uh, on off, off the field. So I feel like it's just we all come together. We know we all know Sydney will make that catch, everybody in the building. We just making sure that we're all tight and coming together and that there's no – no cracks, no creaks that somebody something can slip through. So we know Cindy's Cindy's a great player. We all know he can make that catch. Just making sure that he keeps his head high. Cameron Oliver's with us, a UNLV cornerback. Uh, the interception. I mean, talking about hands. Did you get to watch that on film a couple of times? I don't know that everyone really like took in how ridiculous a catch yeah. that was. Yeah, I, I caught it the first time, and then when I fell, it jarred loose, and I couldn't really see it again. I just stuck my hands out there, and I happened to catch it. So, you know, yeah, that was a, it was a pretty good interception. And you said in the press conference maybe you had seen a tendency with them that they had tried that before? Yeah, they had, they ran that play a couple of times, and they caught it on me once one time before in, uh, earlier in the game. And then I just I realized the same formation, the same tendency, and I just trusted it. What do you think you guys are right now in terms of defending the deep shot? You're not getting hit as much. I mean, mm-hmm. the goal is to never get hit by it. Right. But uh, where do you think you are? Are you satisfied? Are you getting close? I feel like we're, uh, we're never really satisfied, but we're getting there. You know, our coach harps on us, Coach Davis harps on us, you know, stay on top of the cut every, every time I practice. So I feel like putting ourselves in that situation in practice helps us, helps it become more easier in the game. By the way, what is uh, Akeem Davis like during the game? Because I'll stand behind you guys sometimes. He's, he's a pretty fiery dude trying to you know, make sure that, you know, that last play mentality, get rid of it. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's very energetic. You know, he reminds me of another player sometimes. You know, he's going out there with all that energy and, it's great to have a coach like that who comes out there with energy because you can just match his energy. You know, if you need something, he's going he's gonna to give you that energy right back. That was a long conversation. It, it didn't sound it there on the air because we cut it down a little bit. We'll have another part of the conversation looking ahead to New Mexico. Cam Oliver is one of those guys who's a survivor, was brought in by uh, one Marcus Arroyo. And now if you look at it, the defensive backfield has kind of been built up with the last year's guys and they've added some new guys. But they're very much looking forward to, and we'll find out more about the status on of both Jeray Williams and now Jonathan Baldwin, who got hurt, who had a uh, brace on his left leg. So they may be without those two guys for another couple of weeks. So this is really nut-up time for some of the young guys that Odom has brought in. Cam Jenkins is another one. But Cam Oliver is a veteran. He's starting to pick up more interceptions. He is their most reliable cover corner, and uh, they're getting some help now from Ricky Johnson. So it's developing nicely here. Down the stretch. Uh, grab bag. And I did want to mention, we'll have a, a conversation with uh, Kaleo Balangai, uh, the big tight end, a little later in the week. Got a chance to speak to him today. And if you missed it earlier, we'll get it up on the web. Kenny Main, former UNLV quarterback and ESPN Sports Center legend, was uh, on with us, uh, had spoken to him on Monday as well. So we're trying to get a lot more content up there and out there from both football and basketball and Lady Rebels as well as they have a exhibition game coming up tomorrow and then regular season starts for both the Runner Rebels and Lady Rebels early next week. So we did not get into the trade deadline a whole lot today. Like I said, I'm disappointed the Raiders didn't do anything. I don't know that Devontae Adams' value can go anything but down. I don't think it will go down, but I just I worry about what what losing is going to do to him and uh, how he's going <laughs> to handle it. You know, yeah, because he's very frustrated. So I don't know. I might I might shut it down from a talking to the media standpoint very much if I'm Devontae Adams. I think he's now got the green light. Then now that he's on the team, I'm not saying go scorched earth, but now give all the opinion. You know, I'd say let the takes fly. 
be as honest, be as truthful yeah. as, you, as you can. You're on the team now. You know you're not going anywhere. I loved your question earlier this hour to Miles Simmons, and DeMond's with us, when you said, did the Niners need Chase Young? No, but last year they went out and no one really saw them getting Christian McCaffrey. It turns out they needed him. And if Nick Bosa is getting freaking quadruple teamed on one side, if a 70% or 75% Chase Young can be on the other side, I mean, how good is that defense? How good is that defense when they the offense runs the ball, gets them leads, and then people have to pass against them, like Philly, and you've got guys who can pin their ears back and just go crazy trying to get Jalen Hurts? Real quick, I saw, going taking it back to Devontae, I saw a great tweet from Robert Mays. He said, the NFL should just give the Raiders the 33rd pick and let Devontae Adams be a free agent. So anybody who wants to pay him the, the top dollar, <laughs> highest offer you get Devontae, just do it for his sake and the league's sake. It is, it is really wasting his talents. He's so good. And then, I don't know, man. I, I just can't understand how this thing is falling apart offensively. And I think part of it, it I, mean, I mean, it doesn't matter. I can, I can, I can rip on. The answer is not my job. Yeah. Don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I can get on Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that that might be another factor, you know, playing fast and loose with the players and playing games with the contracts. Maybe everyone's head is not in things. I don't know, man. This has been royally screwed up.